Welcome to the Connected Communication Podcast, the show which explores how much of communication is nature and how much is nurture, sharing speaking secrets along the way. I'm your host, Christine Malani. And sure you know yourselves. When the bee hags aren't pitched towards the right base, there's no CMO on this earth who could lead the horses towards the water quick enough for them to begin to even learn to drink. That concludes my presentation today. Oh no, oh no, I have no idea what he just said. Horses, water, bee hags. Oh, what if I'm asked a question? Um, excuse me, could you repeat that last part, please? Sure, of course I could. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm really screwed now. I need this information to complete my end-of-week report and summary of the presentation. Oh, I look stupid if I ask him to repeat himself again. What do I say? This week, I'm talking about clarifying confidently in English during presentations, at meetings, and generally at work. You could even apply these clarification skills to your personal life. Clarifying confidently allows us to avoid misunderstandings. At work, even outside work, misunderstanding can lead to confusion, to mistakes, even conflicts and arguments. When you clarify, you make sure or ensure that you and the other person understand what you are each talking about. You're on the same page, so to speak. And this reduces the chances of miscommunication and, of course, then can prevent potential problems arising. Another reason clarifying confidently is important is because it enhances communication. Bad or inadept communication costs companies trillions every year. Clear communication is the foundation of effective interactions. By seeking clarification, a person can demonstrate their commitment to understanding and being understood. As a result, there's better comprehension, open dialogue. This can foster stronger relationships and more productive collaborations. On top of this, clarifying confidently builds trust and rapport. When you ask for clarification, it shows that you care about the other person's input and respect their perspectives. Vice versa, when you're able to clarify for people. As a result, you can build trust and rapport. People appreciate that you're being genuine, that you have an interest in understanding what they have to say, their thoughts and their ideas. This can foster a more positive environment for communication. It encourages others to reciprocate by seeking clarification themselves when needed. And furthermore, it can create psychological safety for, say, newer or less experienced employees in the engagement. Not just employees, if you're doing this outside of work, in the group that you're in. People who are less confident, who aren't used to being as part of the group, when they see others clarify, it gives them the courage to do so as well. A fourth reason is that clarification improves your language skills. By understanding how to clarify confidently, it helps you to navigate a new language. For instance, if you're learning English. This technique or skill allows you to engage actively with the language. 
You can expand your vocabulary and your understanding, your comprehension skills, your listening skills. The more you practice clarification, the more you become comfortable with the language itself and gain confidence in your abilities. I am learning Spanish, for example. I live in Spain. I've been learning Spanish since I was in college. Had I lived in Spain when I finished college, oh, my life would be so different. In terms of the language, I was pretty advanced then. And it's all now dormant in my almost 40-year-old brain. But I'm not bad. But it doesn't mean that I understand a lot even to everything that people say, particularly because I live in Andalusia and they happen to eat some of the sounds in, in Spanish here. So I need to be able to say, uh, could, could you say that again? Could you repeat? Could you say it another time? So that I can give my ear a chance to follow it. And sometimes I will say to people, um, let me try and think of it in Spanish now without giving too long of a pause. Um, no puedo entender, or no puedo comprender. I think it's entender. Uh, puede, repetir, uh, puede decirle otra vez. Could you say it one more time? Um, now I know that that might not be if you're Spanish and listening to this, you might be thinking, oh God, she was awful incorrect there. Whatever. It's not about me being perfectly correct. It's about the fact that I'm communicating and trying. So you get more comfortable with the language and you gain confidence in your abilities. A fifth reason that clarifying confidently is important is because it leads to more professional growth. In professional settings, if you're working across countries, across companies, in different global environments with communicators from all over the world, you know what I'm about to say. Effective communication is essential for success. When you clarify confidently, you ensure that you fully understood instructions that you're given, the expectations of your managers, your peers, different departments, different groups, or feedback even that you've been given by colleagues or, or superiors. Now, I, I hear what you might be thinking. Yeah, I mean, I have to clarify all the time when I get feedback from my colleagues or superiors, especially, for example, if they're coming from American, Canadian, to some extent British and, and certainly from an Irish communication culture, we don't give feedback directly. We hedge around, we might say a couple of nice things and then throw in the area that you could work on at the end, which can make people from more direct or companies or not more direct companies, more direct countries fail to actually grasp that there is an area for development. So by clarifying and digging a little bit deeper on the feedback that you get from colleagues and superiors, you can professionally develop more easily, understand what's been said and really clearly be able to act upon the feedback that you've got. This will demonstrate your attention to detail and your commitment to achieving clarity, to achieving your tasks and your duties, which are often highly valued traits in a workplace. Clarifying confidently saves time and resources. A sixth reason why it's important. You've all been there. Somebody has misunderstood the instructions. They've gone off, not clarified anything, taken six days to complete a report, come back with all of the information, only for the people to discover who are receiving the report that none of it is on point. They heard what they wanted to hear, weren't sure exactly what it was, 
and went off and did whatever they felt like doing in the first place. Yeah. Maybe it's not what they felt like doing in the first place, but because of the misunderstanding, time has now been wasted, resources have been wasted, and there has been a significant amount of error that could have otherwise been avoided. When you work in a fast-paced environment under a lot of pressure, it's often easy to think, oh, I, I can't ask a couple of times for clarification. They're going to get annoyed at me. They're too busy. I'll just go and do it in the way that I think it needs to be done. But actually, by taking that little bit of extra time to make sure that you fully understand the ask or the requirements, you can minimize the chance of error, reduce confusion, delete the need for anything to be reworked, and as a result, save time and resources. The more promptly you seek clarification, the more quickly you will address any uncertainties early on. Again, this will prevent the need for extensive revisions, for future connect corrections, and for frustration amongst your managers, leading team, and peers. There can be sometimes nothing more annoying than having to rework somebody's effort. And a final reason why it's important to be able to clarify confidently, which links a bit to improving your language skills, is being able to overcome language barriers. When communicating in a language that isn't your first or isn't yet natural to you, seeking clarification confidently becomes a, a, a skill that is really imperative to your success at work. You can bridge language gaps, actively clarifying just even sections of sentences, unfamiliar words, unfamiliar expressions, cultural nuances. And that approach then will promote effective communication. It'll help you overcome language barriers. And when done skillfully, which is one of the techniques that I work with my clients on, when done skillfully, it can actually serve a couple of purposes. You can often teach somebody who is very unaware, say a monolingual, for example, somebody who doesn't speak any other languages and is very unaware of the hard work and effort that is required to be able to pick up on cultural nuances, idioms and expressions. You can often teach them by your response just how confusing the way that they have worded their, their communication is without ever losing face for them, taking face away from them, embarrassing them or anything like that. You can even make it a bit of fun and a joke. If you'd like to learn how to do that, whether you want to do it as a private one-to-one -one client or you're, you're happy to do it on your own, I offer a How to Clarify Confidently module inside my Phenomenal Presenters Masterclasses. In it, I... I go through seven different ways to clarify. I'm going to give some examples of that at the end of this podcast episode. Seven different ways to clarify, to ask for clarification, to interrupt and a couple of things like that. But I, I also read through some dialogues and those dialogues have inside them the skills necessary to be able to do this. At the end of the podcast, I'm also going to tell you another way that you can learn to start mastering this technique, but not yet. So overall, clarifying confidently is essential for effective communication, for building trust, 
fostering positive relationships, becoming more confident in your own communication at work and even outside it. It can empower you to understand and be understood, facilitate collaboration, promote psychological safety, help others to feel confident clarifying themselves, and generally help reduce costs, save time and save resources. Yet, so many people don't do it. Why not? Now, the reasons for this, of course, will change across cultures. The nature of clarification is different depending on whether we're talking about a, a direct culture of communication or a less direct, so a low context or a high context culture of communication. In some ways, people may not be able to clarify because of status, because of the need for deference to certain people within the organization, to certain roles. But from a neuroscience perspective, there are some reasons why people can be afraid to clarify. One of them is a fear of judgment. I talk about the brain's fear response a lot. It's triggered by that lovely little alarm clock. Well, I, I think about it actually like, um, you know, the chicken bones. Sorry to any of you people who are listening that are vegans. When you, when you get the bones of a chicken, the wishbone. And in Ireland, we pull the wishbone out and we let it dry and then we pull it between two people and make a wish. <laughs> that was a random addition of information there. Yeah. It's also about culture, this podcast. So there's a little cultural piece of information about the Irish. Why am I talking about the, the chicken, the wishbone in the chicken? Because the shape of the wishbone in the chicken is a bit like if you put your two fingers up like bunny rabbit ears. And when I see pictures of the amygdala, the part of the brain, or one part of the brain that's involved in the fear response, I imagine that it looks a bit like a wishbone of a chicken. Okay, now I'll go back on point. You've heard my random musings out loud. The brain's fear response can result in individuals fearing judgment or criticism when seeking clarification. Oh, I'm going to look stupid. I'm going to be perceived as unintelligent or incompetent. And that sense of fear, that panic, those words running around in our brains can activate the threat response. As a result, we will not clarify confidently. We may stop ourselves altogether from being able to clarify confidently. We even lose the ability to judge in the moment whether or not clarifying confidently is a good idea. A second reason people might stop themselves from clarifying or from clarifying confidently is cognitive dissonance. How you have nurtured communication in you, how your beliefs, your knowledge throughout your life, from your cultural background, your experiences, the languages you've learned, the people that you've loved, the people that you've lost, how all of those things have been nurtured inside you may create a belief for or against whether or not you should clarify confidently. The brain naturally seeks to maintain cognitive consistency. And as I say this, I'm thinking maybe I need to explain what I mean when I say cognitive dissonance. For example, it's a, it's a concept that's often taught in business schools. Customers undergo cognitive dissonance all the time especially when they have more choices. 
So nowadays we're surrounded by choices and choices of everything everywhere. And you go into a store, you want a jar of jam, just a jar of jam, nice bit of jam to put on your bread. You go in and there's 50 different jars, raspberry, blackberry, apricot, damson, strawberry, mixes, blueberry, all sorts of everything on the shelf. And you look at it thinking, I have no idea what to buy because now you're getting a desire for five different flavors. So what happens? You need to make a choice. And depending on the time that you have to make the choice or to stand there thinking it over, mulling over all the different options in your brain, you'll spend longer or a shorter period of time and you'll be under more or less pressure. But in the end, you'll buy something. Say, like me, you go for blackcurrant. Blackcurrant is my favourite jam. I don't usually have to struggle, except for blackcurrant and raspberry. Back on point. You choose blackcurrant. You go and you buy the blackcurrant. You're on your way home. Suddenly somebody passes you selling fresh strawberries and you get that beautiful scent and think, no, I should have bought strawberry jam. That's cognitive dissonance, where... There isn't cognitive consistency in your brain. You've made a choice, but now you're questioning your choice. We're back to the beliefs and the knowledge that you may have nurtured over your lifetime about whether or not it's a good idea to clarify. Because of that need for cognitive consistency, your brain might resist seeking clarification because you want to avoid the discomfort that will arise from that possible need to revise or to update your understanding of something. Oh, should I really ask for clarification here? Is that going to cause me to lose face? Am I going to feel embarrassed? Oh no, maybe I won't do it. You're creating cognitive dissonance. And the third reason, there are many, I'm just going to talk through three today, is due to social anxiety. Again, in the brain, we have social circuitry. I always find that word difficult. And this is activated in a particular part of the brain, in the prefrontal cortex. And it can also contribute to setting off those alarm bells in the amygdala, in the amygdala and the fear of clarification. When we fear being in social situations and we want to avoid drawing attention to ourselves, we will seek ways to not be embarrassed at all. We don't want to disrupt social dynamics. We don't want to make a point of ourselves or the fact that we don't understand something. Therefore, we will hold back, avoiding that feeling of being in the spotlight, managing our social anxiety, keeping ourselves safe and invisible, not asking clarification questions. Now, for those of you who do want to rise in your careers, who want to get promoted, get into those roles that you truly are capable of being in, particularly if you're working in a new language and it's it's different for you and you're not used to it, being visible is critical. you got to figure out a way to get over that social anxiety. So what can you do? Well, let's look at a few tips for clarifying with confidence. One, listen actively. When you're listening to a speaker, pay close attention to not just the words that they're saying, but the greater context of what they're saying. 
if you have the capacity in your brain, to their nonverbal communication, to the mannerisms that they display, their eye contact, how their bodies move and work, the slides that they're demonstrating. Make sure you get that main point, that you understand it. If you're not sure, allow yourself to ask for clarification when something is unclear. If necessary, repeat or paraphrase what you've understood to confirm your understanding. I'll give an example of that in a few minutes. Two, use clear, precise and specific language. When you need clarification, the more precise and concise you can be, the easier it is for a person to understand what you need from them. It's important to avoid using vague terms or jargon that might confuse the other person, like I did at the beginning of this podcast episode talking about BHAGs, which I'll explain in a few minutes. Or maybe I'll, I'll, I'll make you wait for that one. But the goal is to avoid vague terms, avoid the jargon. Don't confuse the person that you're asking to clarify. Remember, by asking for clarification, you're going to also trigger in them whether or not they have spoken clearly and their inner dialogue might start. Oh no, do people not understand me? Do I need to clarify everything? So you've got a two-way situation here, as with all communication. Be very specific about the part you're having difficulty with and ask for clarification in a straightforward manner. Straightforward. Be mindful. Straightforward doesn't necessarily mean direct and impolite. Number three, use polite language. Now, before I go into this one, I'm going to say, of course, polite language is different across cultures. So what I'm going to talk about here is using language of clarification in, in English, in general environments where there's a certain degree of decorum and politeness required. I think that's the best way to say it because it's not always necessary to be direct and overly polite. It depends on the context, depends on the relationship, who you're in the room with. So, for instance, I might say to somebody that I've been working with for years, Sorry, what did you say? I didn't get that. Right. But I wouldn't say that if I were in the room with them and we had other employees in the room or uh, a client or a customer, for instance, I would say it in a different way. So as I always say, context and many other things dictate. But generally, polite language you can't go wrong with, particularly when you're seeking clarification in English. Be respectful. Use phrases like, I'm sorry, but I didn't quite catch that. Now, before you jump down my throat here and start sending me audio messages saying, why am I apologizing? I don't mean that you're saying sorry for your incapacity to hear. The I'm sorry is, but the best way to say it is that it's, you're not actually apologizing. What you're doing is softening the fact that you need to ask for clarification so that you avoid embarrassing the person from whom you're asking for clarification. If that sounds complex to you and you would like to me to clarify that, hold on till the end of the episode and I'll tell you a way that you can. By being polite, you encourage open communication. You foster a more positive atmosphere. Number four, where possible, if possible, 
use visual cues. If you're having trouble understanding a particular word or phrase, you can try using visual cues. Now, it depends on the brain, depends who you're communicating to or with. But for instance, you could point to an object or gesture to help the speaker provide a, a clearer explanation. And that can be particularly helpful in situations where there's a language barrier. But it doesn't necessarily always work. So I, I know I'm taken away from what I'm saying here. But when I was preparing this, it made me think about an experience I had when I lived in China. I was in a taxi going towards the university that I was lecturing in at the time. I lived out on the other at the other side of Beijing, way out on the fifth ring road, away from the city near the university. I knew the direction that I needed to go in. And this was very close to the beginning of me being there. So I didn't have much of the language yet to be able to give the directions verbally. So I started trying to point the driver in the direction that I needed to go. And I thought, in my mind, it was very simple. I just used my hand pointed towards the road that I wanted us to drive down and, and that would be very simply and easily understood and off we go. But it didn't appear to be that simple and it did leave me, I have to be honest, wondering what I might have done wrong or whether that was the wrong way to give directional indication by using a visual cue in China. I have yet to actually find out the answer to that question. So if you're from China or if you know more than me, please do go to the link in my show notes, go over to my website and send me a recording, a little voice note of what I did wrong, if you know what I did wrong. But visual cues can generally help. Use them wisely though and carefully. If you're not sure in the culture that you're communicating, it's best to maybe keep visual cues to a minimum. Not all cues have the same meaning across cultures and you could find yourself very embarrassed by insulting somebody using a visual cue as opposed to actually communicating. That leads me to another story, but I'm not going to share it with you now. Maybe I'll keep that for the, the news that I'm going to share for you at the end of the podcast. Okay, number five, request examples. Sometimes examples can give you better clarity than an explanation. If you're really struggling to grasp or understand the concept, you can politely ask for a real life example, for a scenario, for a story that illustrates it. If you're in a room where there's internet access, why not ask for it to be looked up and shown on the screen? Why not ask for uh, there to be an image brought up which reflects it? I love this in presentation. A lot of people avoid it. I don't, I don't even know if a lot of people do it. But if I'm presenting and I'm going through something like this and a person is really struggling to understand or to visualize the concept, maybe they're a visual learner, I will open the internet and I'll Google it and we'll put up an image and we'll pull up a bit of a video. It takes a couple of seconds. You show them and then immediately they go, oh, Okay, yeah, I got you. Keep going. It's a great way to foster understanding and connection. And it actually re-engages people in the presentation because you've got this up and down audience attention curve. And when you get to points which are difficult to grasp, 
sometimes that diversion of the brain and the mind into a moment of searching creates a dopamine spike that makes everybody interested in seeing what will come up from the search. So you regain the interest of the crowd. And that approach, generally getting people to to give you examples, allows people to visualize the information. And we know from research now that visual cues and visualization of information really helps it to stick and allows people to connect their mental maps much more quickly. So as a result, it enhances understanding. Number six. Confirm understanding. After the speaker provides clarification, summarize what you've understood to ensure that you did actually follow them this time. So if I understood correctly, uh, let me summarize what you said. That way, any remaining misunderstanding can be addressed straight away. Now, a speaker can do this as well. I often do this work with, with clients. I do find it fascinating how challenging it can sometimes be for people to switch a closed direct question into an open sharing question and flip the script on an audience. So as a presenter, it's just as much your responsibility to make sure people understand as it is for them to understand you. In this example, The listener doesn't necessarily need to confirm understanding. You can confirm that they've understood, being mindful of not causing embarrassment, of course. Uh, So, for example, what I just said there, let me summarize what you said. Uh, You could turn it back on them, depending on the people in the room. Would you feel comfortable summarizing what you understand? That way I can fill in any gaps that we, we might still have. And number seven, when you're clarifying, you're practicing actively building your vocabulary. Now, this can be whether the, it's your first language or not. By building a strong vocabulary, you are supporting effective communication skills, not only for yourself and your professional development, but in your workplace. Expose yourself to different materials, to books, to podcasts like this one, thank you for listening, articles, movies, my online training platform to expand your vocabulary. Listen to when I speak, listen to the audios, download the PDFs that go along with it. Complete the reflection exercises so you can engage the vocabulary. I had a lovely message today from a new client. We did uh, opinion phrases we were looking at and flipping and switching through them and about an hour after our session I received a whatsapp message showing me the use of the language almost immediately after the session it being put into practice not only is that developmental for the client because They're engaged with the process, actively engaging with the language, using it almost immediately to get it stuck in the brain. They are proudly sharing what they've done, spiking my dopamine, feeling positive about it, but also theirs at the fact that they've done it and done it well. So it was really cool. So client, if you're listening, thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. It was a lovely message to get. The key thing to remember 
is that clarifying is not a sign of weakness or incompetence. It's a sign of commitment to clear communication, to shared understanding, to not wasting time, to being effective in your work and to helping other people feel effective with you. By implementing the strategies we've talked about and practicing regularly, you can become more and more confident seeking clarification in English and thus becoming more visible, more noticeable and more influential. Effectively communicating, developing your conversation skills and as a result, getting noticed and promoted. And throughout the podcast, I mentioned that there are different areas to, conf- to, to clarify using. I'm not going to go into all of them now. I'm going to share a few of them with a couple of examples and tell you that on the 8th of June, I am going to host a live, private, but live, Zoom event where I talk through clarification, go through different functions of clarification and how we apply it in the workplace, practice some dialogues with real life examples and situations. And for anybody who wants to practice with me, invite people onto the stage, cameras on, to run some dialogues with me. So that's going to be on June 8th. The time I haven't set just yet, it's probably going to be at eight o'clock CET, which is Central European time. The link will be in the show notes. I would love for you to join if you're not the right person to join because you already got your clarification skills down, but you know somebody who would benefit from it. I would greatly appreciate if you would share it with them. I advise that they go. If you're a manager in an organization, a leader in an organization, and you think your teams would benefit from this, send it on to them or get in touch with me if you want me to do a private one for them. This one that I'll be running will be live on Zoom. It will be for a maximum number of people, but I'm not going to be charging for it. I know I'm crazy, but hey, I love my job and my work. Okay, before I go, Let's talk about a couple of different functions of clarification. Now, if you'd like to see me demonstrate some of these, go to my Instagram at connected underscore, that line that goes down underneath in between words, communication. Check the show notes for the link and you'll see me uh, act out some of these phrases in a couple of reels, which have proven quite popular amongst people in my following. One function of clarification is expressing a lack of understanding. I gave this example before. I'm sorry, but I don't quite understand. I'm not quite sure I know what you mean. There are two different ways that you can express a lack of understanding. Now, pay attention as I speak through these to my tone of voice, to my inflection, to, to the power that I use, the stress that I use. Vocal modulation, how to master your voice, a key part of the Phenomenal Presenters Masterclasses, is the technical side of clarifying confidently. You can have the words all you like, but for example, if you don't understand how to modulate your voice, you might say the last two sentences like this, I'm sorry, but I don't quite understand. I'm not quite sure I know what you mean. Mm, Do you hear the difference between those two? Trigger happy number two. You might upset a person if you ask them like that. So we had expressing a lack of understanding. The second function is asking for clarification. Nice and simple. Could you clarify that, please? 
Would you mind elaborating on that? Elaborating on exactly what you need, please. Could you explain what you mean by, and in this case, you're asking for a particular set, phrase or a particular word? You can also clarify a point or idea. Now, this would be if you're the speaker. Let me explain that in more detail. To put it differently, said differently, I did one of my reels on this about AI, which you might have a bit of a giggle at if you decide to go over and check it on Instagram. Now, you might also need to deal with difficult questions with clarification. I talked about this in the podcast episode last week, but a couple of ways that you can deal with difficult questions when you've been asked to clarify. Um, maybe you're asked to clarify and you can't think of a way to explain it differently. So someone says to you, oh, can you give me a synonym for what you just said? Can you put that in a different way? You might say, oh, I'm not sure I can. I can't think of another way to put it right now. Let me think for a moment. Do you know, I might need to look up a synonym for that. I haven't thought about how to say it differently. Now you're just being authentic and vulnerable here. People value authenticity, value vulnerability. Say the speaker's in the middle of, of giving the talk. You have missed something. Your brain is now lost. There's a big jarring noise happening like a train stopping on its brakes. And you're not able to follow. You have to interrupt. Now, if this is a CEO and they're in the middle of presenting something and there are other C-suite executives in the room, be mindful of whether or not it's your place to interrupt. Make a note of what you didn't understand, of the area, the part of the presentation they were at, maybe the slide they were at, and clarify it with them after it or clarify it with somebody else in the room. But if you can interrupt, you may slightly lean yourself forwards, tilt your head up towards them, raise your hand just a little bit, open hand out, not your fingers, towards them. So this will indicate to them, if they have the brain to be able to understand nonverbal cues, that you need to interrupt or you wish to. They may very well pause for you or actually ask you to speak. I'm sorry to interrupt you, name of the person. I don't mean to be rude name of the person, but I didn't catch the last part of what you just said and I felt it was an important point. So always polite, kind, deferent, aware, being vulnerable and being confident about your understanding. I'm finding it difficult to follow you. I'm finding it difficult to follow you on the phone. So say, for example, if you're on a live call, could you slow down a bit, please? I'm not following you fully. Could you slow down a little, please? And finally, clarifying what you understood. May I confirm my understanding? May, may I clarify what I heard? Now, there are many more phrases and structures that we can use for this. In these seven different sections that I'm going through at the moment, I have at least five phrases in each. So it's over 30, 30, 30 35 different phrases different structures to use when you're clarifying in English. As I said, always be mindful of context, always be mindful of the sense of the people in the room, your position in the room, and various other factors when you are clarifying. But if you notice that you have those fears, 
if you're holding yourself back, if you're questioning yourself, you're keeping yourself safe and avoiding that social anxiety. And it's impacting or affecting your work. You're not getting noticed. You're not getting the promotion that you know you're capable of and you deserve. Something needs to change. Or whether or not you choose to change it is entirely up to you. As I wrote to a guy on, on LinkedIn this evening, everyone walks their own Camino. Everyone's path and journey is different. If you choose to start making changes and take action to help yourself become more confident, clarifying. One way to do it is to join me on the 8th of June. Come into the Zoom call. As I say, there'll be a maximum number of people there. I will be moderating it myself. I don't want to do it live on a social media channel. Maybe that will change in the future, but I really like to actually meet people and engage with them and help them activate the content that I'm doing and that I'm giving in the moment. So join me on June 8th. Come, listen to me share about clarification, share your questions, share your misconceptions, maybe some of the limiting beliefs you may have. And if you are so willing, allow me to help you begin to overcome them. Check the show notes for the dates, for the details. Sign up to be notified when it's going to go live. Until then, as always, thank you for listening. Please star, follow and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with those you believe it will help. Until next time, Banakti, August Buikas. Thanks for listening.